0: Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, the city of Hamilton is going to name names when it comes to those who do not follow protocol in the city. What do advocates for small business say about the chance we could have more restrictions imposed on us? And is Aaron O'Toole changing the direction of the conservative party? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML.
1: I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Looks like the nasty COVID 19 is rearing its ugly head again. You know what to do. We have done it before. You don't need a kid telling you what to do. But I am! It's the Scott Thompson Home Show. Here's Scott Thompson!
0: Beach. It's on his Wheaties this morning. Uh, good, I guess, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is 1210. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Willerskin back at the station, keeping the Scott Thompson home show on the air. All right. Obviously, as we're seeing cases go up, uh, right the way across the country, uh, we're, we're starting to see, uh, you know, certain regions think about moving into, uh, the next level of restriction and how do we balance all of this? Uh, and, and we have a situation in Hamilton where, uh, and of course, you know we're like every other city. Uh, you know, we've we've got to make sure we're following the protocol as well, and, and as diligent as we can all be. And and obviously, a story breaking out about a, a restaurant in Stony Creek that uh, not only dropped the ball on the protocol, but uh, booted it right out through the front door, so to speak. So, a motion has been brought forward by Brad Clark to uh, get the names of those businesses that have been charged in such a situation brought out publicly and here's what he had to say in the bill kelly show today
2: i have no sympathy for the businesses who are refusing to comply with the laws as a matter of fact i'm angry with them because they're putting you and i and our families our neighbors all at risk by not complying it's literally a cost of doing business okay i got fined here's your money and then they continue doing what they're doing so the only way to make sure that these restaurants are going to come into compliance with all of the other restaurants who are in compliance is to name them. They should be named. They, they, they caused all of this work for our bylaw staff and for council and, and this, this entire bylaw that is before us now came about because of, of their negligence.
0: All right, let's bring in Paul Johnson, Director of Emergency Center, City of Hamilton, and with us now. Paul, thanks for the time again. Hope you're doing well.
3: I am. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Great to be joining you today. And if I can hire your son to introduce me at every speaking event, I'd love that. (laughs)
0: Hey, you know what? I'm sure you guys can work something out. (laughs) Absolutely. obviously paul we're we're going through some difficult times now uh, the second wave numbers creeping up and uh people getting pretty edgy boy i don't envy any of you people down at the city who are working so hard to keep us all safe but we do appreciate that what can you tell us about this situation in regarding uh the restaurant and and you know obviously there's there's uh information you can tell us and can't but but uh, just relay what you can tell us
3: Sure. So, you know, we've, we've had a lot of fines, uh, for individuals and, and businesses through the course of the last eight months or so. And, and we've been posting the numbers and throughout the pandemic, I've shared examples of what that's looked like. But I think most recently people are now saying, we don't want to know the example. Tell us who it is. And clearly yesterday, uh, a council felt that that should be the way we go about it as well. And, so this change that we're working on, which will come into effect very quickly, uh, will allow us to not only post the numbers of fines and violations that we're finding, which we've been doing since day one, but also um, uh, people can can understand what businesses are are um, are being fined. It's important to say those those it's those who have been fined or charged, uh, you know, they, they can always fight that. And so, like everything else, this would be what we've done, not necessarily that. Uh, uh, that that at the end of the day, those fines would even stick. But I think it's another layer of ensuring that there is uh, this collective effort uh, to do the things that we need to do. And, you know, I was pretty upset on Monday when I talked about this particular business, but there have been others along the way. It just um, uh, eight months in, I said it on Monday, I'll say it again. I can't imagine that eight months in every single both the people that attended and the people that were running that business, Hmm. that they didn't understand what's going on in this community and that they didn't take a look around and go, this doesn't seem quite right given all we've heard from public health and from other officials so we're working on the protocol that's going to be in place very quickly. And I can anticipate that, uh, you know, starting next week uh, at some point, uh, those names will be listed. And, and from this way forward, it's another reminder to businesses that we're serious about this. Our bylaw officers have a specialized COVID-19 team that are out seven days a week during the day, in the evenings, on weekends. So, you know, you don't just pull up your socks during the day. We're going to be there in the evenings and on weekends, making sure people are in compliance and the good news is most are. We want to make sure that the those that aren't um, uh, are fined appropriately and brought into compliance quickly.
0: You said that uh, this would pass pretty quickly. Any idea when?
3: Oh, so it's it's done. We're just working on the protocol of staff. So how do right. you get it up? What information we're sharing and where it would uh, reside so that people can find it. So we're talking, uh, you know, just a couple of days for us to do that work. And, uh, you know, I would say that, that my target, we're back in front of uh, having a a press conference as we do weekly with the mayor and the the medical officer of health. Uh, I hope that I can uh, uh, say on Monday that this is all up and going. And then we'll likely be doing it as part of those weekly reportings on the number of fines and violations that we've been handing out again, as we've been doing throughout the pandemic
0: and i should mention right now uh tonight town hall seven o'clock and of course that will be covered live right here on chml as well as the uh uh the city's youtube channel Uh, i I agree with you uh, paul that you know this far in i I think we you know i I don't think we can use the excuse of mixed messaging anymore i I think we know uh that there's rules out there and they may apply uh in various situations differently but uh, but i think a little common sense uh does prevail here so why is it good and obviously the public, Paul, has asked you for this information. Why is this good to know? Why should we be calling out these businesses in your mind?
3: Well, I I think it's good to know uh, from a preventive perspective, perhaps there are businesses saying, look, if I'm only going to get a fine, uh, this might be the cost of doing business. and, and, And we keep going. I don't know what gets into their head, but I can, you know, that's been suggested to me that that might be one of the motivations. So I think this has really added protective layers. And I think also the public should know, uh, where the, some of these major uh, violations are taking place. The example that, that we use, the, you know, as I say often, this wasn't about a bylaw officer seeing that a sign that's supposed to be posted on the front window, you know, was slightly askew or had fallen yeah. down and all of a sudden writing out massive amounts of tickets and the rest. Um, those things we, we correct quickly with businesses and have throughout. We're talking in this case about uh, overcrowding, serving, uh, serving beyond the hours that we're supposed to be doing it and carrying on with activities not in the way that they're supposed to be done. And look, this province, our city has tried to do everything possible to allow businesses to operate in some kind of a modified fashion. And, you know, in order to keep that happening... You have to follow the rules. Uh, They're not put there because we just wanted something to do. Um, They're put there for everybody's safety. So I think the public can understand uh, what establishments are are obviously being fined uh, for this activity. But my hope is also it's another preventative technique, because if I as a business owner know that if I do get a fine, uh, that's going to be public, then maybe that goes into the thinking of making sure that uh, they do everything right.
0: So let's talk about uh, Hamilton today. Where we are? Are things stable? We certainly hear of of new cases going up. I guess uh, what uh, fifty four new case? No, that's Halton. That's fifty four uh, today. So we must be below the fifty level today. I'm guessing. Uh, not to be in this information. Um, what about where we are and the fear of being moved into another level, into another tier?
3: Uh, quite frankly, we were pretty close to that level last week and not yeah. a lot has changed. So I think we're, you know, uh, there, there's a, there's a strong possibility that, uh, that, that the level discussion uh, around Hamilton will come up again uh, this week. Uh, we don't know yet. And the province obviously works with uh, our public health officials around that. But, you know, we were pretty close to that before. Uh, not a lot is changing. Our our numbers, though, not as bad as some other areas, for sure, are uh, are You know, still increased and our daily averages are a challenge and a number of outbreaks that we have, you know, continue to, to, to be high. So there's a number of things going on that, uh, that that cause us to say we have to do a stronger job of complying with the restrictions that are in place. But the reality in Hamilton is, and Dr. Richardson has talked about this a lot, is that it is about the activities we're doing in our in our personal lives. Uh, It is about the gatherings we're choosing to attend socially. It is, in some cases, the way we're traveling to work and and behaving in our in our non-work time that is the the challenge here. And so that's really difficult for us to say we would stop this activity or stop that activity because it's really being driven by our day-to-day activity. And that's where it's really important for folks to realize that this idea that there's some magical number that you can gather with that's okay That's really gone out the window. If it's not the people that you live with and reside with, um, be very cautious. um, You know, wear masks. Uh, Do the things that can, that can help. um, Because this idea of that social circle that can go to that level has really been broken by the fact that so many of us are back to work. uh, People are back to school. So the idea that you've got a tight group of people that only get together with that tight group of people has really gone out the window. So we need to do a better job at that we'll see whether we move to a, another level of restriction but i would say even if we stay in the yellow scott we've got to do a better job
0: so uh... that being said and obviously i i know that you're dealing with the city uh... paul but from a provincial standpoint uh, obviously the government getting blowback on the new color-coded tier system some saying it's too much some saying that it's not enough and as the numbers creep up we should be clamping down your thoughts on this new system and the freedom Uh, that that it does or does not give each of you to adjust it to your own areas?
3: There are things to like about it. First of all, it's very clear what some of the markers are and the indicators of when you move to different levels, for sure. And the other piece is is that there's been a strong indication that local municipalities can take their own action. And you've seen that happen in Peel. You've seen that happen in Toronto. And in a limited way, it's happened in in Hamilton as well. Dr. Richardson, uh, even before this came out, uh, has at times, uh, you know, written to certain sectors and thinking of the long-term care sector, for instance, and more recently in the fitness area and has provided a little stronger um, recommendation in terms of what she would like to see as the medical officer of health. So I think all those things are, are good. The question though of whether it's enough to stop the, uh, the, the, the numbers from going up is, you know, is a, is a debate point, but the balance of course is, Uh, You know, we can't lock down communities for months and months and months. And I heard you talk a little bit about the the positive news about where vaccines are at. But the reality is vaccines are not coming in the next couple of weeks. And mass vaccination of the population will take time. You're talking about a massive effort of over 30 million people in in Canada needing to get uh, access to the vaccine. So while it's great to have positive stuff happening we are heading into an incredibly important uh, and potentially dangerous time as we head into the winter. People are inside, and we really need to do those those common-sense public health measures and do it more and more with, uh, with, with the people that we interact with in order just to protect ourselves.
0: So, Paul, is this about uh, just getting people to adhere to the protocol that we all know, or is it about more restrictions? So in other words, you know, no matter how heavy we make the restrictions, if people don't abide by them, it's not gonna work, as opposed to just doing what you're supposed to do and, and and try to keep it down that way. Is it about following the rules or is it about imposing more restriction?
1: Well,
3: I mean, the hope is you don't impose more restrictions because all they do is really ensure that we follow the rules. Yeah. Um, keeping people in their own homes ensures that we follow physical distancing with with broader groups of people and ensures that we just don't have those transmission opportunities. But as we've said all along, there are there are safer ways that you can go and do certain activities. So I, I really do think and, you know, it's 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 cliche. And so no one listens to it. But the reality is we can control this. All the restrictions do is place and in, in, in put in place very uh, strong tactics to enforce what we can do naturally in our day-to-day existence. And to be honest, you know, if you are in that, uh, that gathering, what's the, what's the harm in putting on a mask? Even if somebody comes to your house who you say, yeah, but it's a close friend or it's a family member or whatever else. Yeah, but they're not who you live with. You don't know who they've been in contact with. Put a mask on. Keep that physical distance. Wash your hands clean after they go, all those types of things. If we do those things... Uh, then the restrictions aren't necessary. The restrictions are really a way of, of being very, very tough. And unfortunately, then they impose some other consequences economically, socially, and including health-wise that we don't want to see. So my, I implore every day, whether it's to our own staff at the city of Hamilton or to the public is do the things that we know work. And if you do them really, really strongly, then we won't need to contemplate heavy restrictions because the things we have in place uh, should be enough to keep the cases at a level that we can control and manage through the healthcare system. And that's really what this is all about.
0: Attitudes change today, this week, as opposed to a month ago.
3: Um, you know, <laughs> this week has been an interesting week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a week Tough where week. there's there there's enthusiasm about vaccination programs, and it's a week where we've seen cases go to a level we've never seen in this province. So this is where we are, and this is why I, I say to folks, in you know, absolutely uh, uh, light. Uh, coming our way in terms of the ultimate strategy, which is some form of immunization strategy. That's great news, because if there was a time where that was all airy-fairy, so now we seem to be yeah. marching towards that, but we have a long time before that is a reality, and in the meantime, uh, you know, people could get very sick, people can end up in hospital as they are in growing numbers, and people can die from this virus. We stuck a long time in Hamilton at 45, And now, of course, we have higher numbers of that of people who have died from COVID-19. So this is still deadly to some. Um, It can be very, uh, very much impactful on people's health. And it's just one of those things where, um, you know, let's, let's talk about the good stuff that seems to be coming our way. But we have to, have to adhere to all the same things that we've been doing for the past eight months.
0: Paul Johnson has been with us, Director of Emergency Center for the City of Hamilton, trying to keep all the balls in the air and everybody safe and a a balance to keep everybody happy. Paul, again, thanks so much for the hard work. Pass it on to the the, uh, folk down there. We're all behind you, and thanks uh, so much for working so hard to keep us all safe. Be well.
3: I I will do, Scott. Stay safe.
0: Thanks. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. As I mentioned, obviously, uh, the the provincial government getting uh, hit from both sides as people say we need to close this down more. And business is saying you can't do that. Uh, People need to have a livelihood. There's got to be a happy balance here. And where is that? How do we find it? Let's bring in Julie Kozwinski, uh, Director of Provincial Affairs for Ontario, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and is with us now. Julie, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well.
1: I hope you're doing well, too, Scott. And first, let me thank you uh, wholeheartedly for having me on the show to share CFIB's views, especially during these critical times.
0: Uh, Are you having a hard time getting the word out?
1: I think the hardest time we're having right now is that things are changing on the fly. There are rules put out there. Different players come in. The rules change again. And the lack of clarity. We've always asked, Scott, from government to just give businesses clarity. And the other thing, too, as we're coming into this, what they're calling the second wave, to really understand as a small business owner now, what you need more than anything is immediate financial support. And by immediate, I don't mean four weeks from now. I don't mean January 1st, I mean here and now. And there are a lot of struggling businesses. There's a new $300 million program that businesses will have access to on Monday. But we already know that that access will be limited to red and grey zone businesses Unless you were part of the original Stage 2 modification announcements moving forward, you have to be either red or grey. And I'm sure your listeners are confused, because I was confused too, <laughs> because red means one thing in Toronto, red means a different thing in in the province, in the, in the provincial framework. So there's so much confusion, lack of clarity, and what it all comes down to, the simple ask is, please help small businesses get to the other side of COVID-19 with direct financial assistance from the province not just the federal stuff because right now the federal programs are going through a stage where the availability isn't quite there yet like the new federal rent program not yet available the wage subsidy is available but it's been lowered from 75 percent of salaries to 65 percent that should be higher and the new business Account loan program, the extra 20000 not yet available. And hundreds of thousands of small firms have fallen through the cracks of all the federal programs, such as new firms and micro-sized businesses. So there's still businesses that can't access this funding, even after all of these months. And from the provincial perspective, uh, I mean, looking forward to Monday, We want to see how that program works. Is it going to be as the Minister of Finance says? He says you're going to be able to go on there, submit your property tax and energy bills, voila, presto, a few days later you get your money. But we already know, again, that's great, but we already know that we have to fight for more businesses to have access to that money. And the other thing, too, I mean, the province, Scott, has put in, although I should say it hasn't yet passed legislation um, there's a portion of the budget bill tiny part that's dedicated to extending Ontario's commercial eviction protection which is critical and I have to give Minister Steve Clark huge kudos here because he's left it open-ended so a business doesn't have to sit on their pins and needles on the end of their chair wondering if this eviction protection is going to happen for the next months, going month to month but, I mean, the province still has an opportunity, too, to step up with money for tenants that were shut out of the last federal program because their landlord didn't apply. And, Scott, hey, I know there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, that's what I've got for now. Be interested to hear what you have to say on those comments.
0: Uh, Let's start with clarity. Uh, What are your thoughts on the new color coded tier system as far as a business perspective? Does this help out? Um, Because I I am hearing some say about clarity or that there there is no clarity or it keeps changing. And uh, again, I, I think a lot of people are asking questions that there simply are not answers to at this point because the situation is very fluid as far as I understand and I love your comments on this the whole idea behind the color-coded tier system is that it gives you guidelines but is open-ended enough that if each individual municipality feels that they need to be in a more for example restricted uh, situation then they have the ability to do that within their region allowing other regions who are not experiencing that to continue on in wherever they are so what are your thoughts on the color-coded tier system is, is, is how is that uh, working out is is that is that an answer is that is that a, a move forward
1: great question and thank you for asking Scott a couple of comments here my first comment when the government came out with this we applauded them businesses have been asking for clarity and this color coding system it had like a political guidelines. So you knew if you reach this certain threshold, no questions asked, you were in a certain color-coded area. Very clear. Now, here's the problem. Municipalities have stepped in, and I am not criticizing, don't get me wrong, any chief medical officer of health or public health unit here the premier basically invited municipalities to step in and use what's called their section twenty two under the health protection and promotion act chief medical officer of health orders power to put in rules that are stronger than what the province put in. now here's where the problem comes in all of a sudden the premier said this is a framework he put out a statement yesterday this isn't a framework anymore. This is just a baseline. So pretty much you do whatever you want. So municipalities are now coming in. And again, I'm not criticizing them. Toronto came in and came up with their own description of what the red zone is. So here's an example. So for the red zone, you have to show a positivity rate of at least 10%. That's a positivity testing rate. Toronto's rate is 5.9%. That's not 10 Secondarily... Um, do they qualify because of cases per 100,000? Apparently they do. Well, why not make that clear? Make it clear that you either have to qualify for all of these or just one of them. We don't know. Lack of clarity, grey zone. So what's ended up happening is a good thing has basically been muddied. I don't even understand the point of this framework anymore. If people can come in and change the rules and again not criticizing the medical people They've
0: but l- in, they- let me add, let me add this though the rules are changing because the pandemic is changing like people are looking for consistency within a pandemic that is ever yeah. changing so yeah. how can we how can you totally account for what's going to happen next week when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and from what i and again you're in there i'm not i'm just looking yep. at it from afar no, great, but great but profession. i'm seeing that this i'm seeing that this allows for that control and that as some health officials have called it, called it the surgical approach um and again if if we make it all the same and real clear that shuts down a lot more people
2: no well,
1: So let's go back to communications. So there, as far as I know right now, as you and I speak, there is no place that I can send a business owner. So let's say that I am in a specific region. Let's say I'm in Hamilton, because that's your area of listeners. I can't go on a website right now. Well, Hamilton doesn't really apply because it's under the the, the green area. Now we're in yellow, I believe. Because Hamilton, Hamilton could look at that chart right now, and it would be helpful. It would be helpful. But where the problem is and where we see the future problem, you've already had Peel come in with their own rules. You've had Toronto come in with their own rules, because the Premier basically invited them to. So who's next? And let's take a specific example. Well, who
0: will be next, Julie? Is whoever yeah. flares up next. Yeah. You know. Again, so what do you do? Do you take the issue, Do you take the orders that you put in Toronto and Peel, and do you blanket the province with those?
1: No. Like no, again, no,
0: I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking that people are looking for answers They're that either for don't clarity. exist.
1: Clarity. You know. Yeah. Clarity. So I should be able to write down, and I'm gonna. I really want to illustrate this with a pointed example. Yeah. So right now in Ontario, if you are a gym, you are allowed 10 people indoor for classes, okay? In Toronto's version of green, gyms are open, but group fitness is closed. And in the Ontario version of red, you are allowed 10 people indoor for exercise equipment areas. And you're allowed two people, ten people, indoor for classes under the provincial one, but not for the Toronto one. Spin classes, no. Yoga classes, no, for Toronto. See, I'm even confused trying to... So, what,
0: again, room. Julie, again, Julie, yep. what's the problem? Okay, the if, problem
1: you, if you're if you within it.
0: those areas, you yep. have to comply by those rules. If they you're outside those... Are. Well, okay, you just explain to me what the rules were, Julie. You confused. just explained them to me.
1: They're, they are confused, and what I'm saying, essentially, Scott, is that the only way. Well, if
0: you're a business to... owner, Julie, and you and I can understand these, as you've just explained them to me, why wouldn't a person who owns an establishment, who probably knows more about it than I certainly do, because I don't understand don't how they can understand to study this
1: stuff, it. Scott, they don't Pardon have me? time to look at pretty color charts and graphs. They don't have time. People just got it understand that a business owner is struggling right now to stay alive they don't have time to look at a chart and figure out what the rules are and then if the bylaw officer comes in and slaps them with a fine that's not necessarily fair so what i'm saying the solution scott is is clarity on communications and that is up to the province to take the rein on that and work closely with respective public health units especially in the hot areas because right now if I'm a business owner in Toronto I am very confused I have to Why would that. they just
0: not call you Julie and ask because you've just explained it to all of us it's in regard to my the gyms job,
1: Scott to uh, interpret provincial government policy I obviously will if I have to if our members call in but don't you think the taxpayers expect the province and not I don't Chile's think the tax taxpayer- I don't think the taxpayers expect the province. the
0: province. I don't expect I, I think what the taxpayers expect is if you have a business that you'll try to follow the rules and regulations and find out what they are. and, there is, they're easy, and there is easy and they're as easy you, as you have just explained to me and what I talk to w- with municipalities. Uh, you know I'm not saying this isn't difficult. I'm not saying that these businesses are not suffering. they certainly are. but to, to come on and constantly say there isn't clarity because we're tr- the, the government's trying to keep it open enough to allow e- each individual scenario to have something different, the reason this is confusing is because there's so many different examples, because there's so many different areas. The uh, the solution to that, and, and again, you've just explained how it all works, and and you know we in the media are trying to do the same thing. So I would assume the business owners are trying to do the same thing. Uh, the solution to this says, well, we can make it really clear. Let's just shut it all down and make it all the same. And I don't see how that's an no, option. No, that's
1: not what I'm saying, Scott. I'd make, like to make a couple of points. I represent 42,000 small and medium-sized business owners. That's when I speak. I speak on behalf of them. And Mm -hmm. if they're calling me and telling me they're confused, then that's the message that I'm going to convey because that's who I represent. They are confused. And what they're telling me is they're struggling to survive And and they don't have time to figure this out. They're trying to figure out how to stay afloat. They are drowning with very limited government help. They don't have time to look at color-coded charts and figure this out. And secondly, secondly... Where's the communication on this? If I am in any part of the province, I should be able to go on some website where it's clear and concise and all the rules are in one spot that's run under the province. And again, clarity, clarity, clarity. I wouldn't be telling you they're confused, Scott, if they weren't. They're calling me and telling me that. I can't tell you otherwise. I'm telling you what...
0: I understand that, Julie. I I think we all understand that, Julie, and we all certainly understand the stress and, and, and what they're going through during this time. I, I think everybody gets that. Um, but again, I, I think the confusion is coming from the fact that this situation is always changing and and unfortunately that's that's what happens in a global pandemic things are constantly changing that's, that's why no it is confusing poor
1: communication scott that's no excuse just to wipe your hands of it and say oh everything's changing so therefore that's easy I don't think anybody
0: really- is wiping their hands of it julie
1: no but but you sound like you're letting People off the hook because things are changing.
0: No, I'm not letting people off the hook. I just think a lot of the time people are asking questions that there is no answer to at this time.
1: Well, we get questions about gray areas. You know, one of the biggest questions we get right now, the biggest, is how everybody's treating gyms and fitness as one thing. So you need to consult with these sectors, and I'm learning too, because I am no expert in this by any means, that a yoga class is different from um, an exercise class, or various different types.
0: I think that's class. what everybody's trying to figure yes. out, including the government, Julie, and yes. I think that's why there's the confusion, because they're trying to make it work with one where the other one may not. So again, I, I, I just think that it takes more uh, of of, uh, well, like you said, communication, we'll leave it at that. i got to let you go, Julie, we're out of time. Julie Koswinski has been with us, Director of Provincial Affairs for the Ontario Canadian Federation of Independent Business. I don't want to make it sound like I am uh, heartless when it comes to business. I mean, my goodness, uh, they are the lifeblood of every Main Street in every town, and we have to do everything we can to help them. Um, But I, I think, again, the reason that a lot of this is confusing is because it's constantly changing, and we're trying to stay one step ahead of something we know absolutely nothing about, and I think a lot of people got to keep that in mind as we move forward. I don't think pointing fingers and, and... I don't think that's the solution. The solution is listening to everybody and trying to come together. And I think some of the confusion around the gyms is because they're trying to dissect them, not only from gyms, but to you know fitness classes, to spin classes, to yoga classes. I mean, Julie's saying right there, she had no idea how complex this is. Well, then how do you expect a government to answer those kinds of questions? Everyone is learning as they go here, and I think that's something we have to keep in mind. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, Uh, let's move on to federal uh, federal politics uh, right here in Canada. Aaron O'Toole, uh, the leader of the Conservative Party, said he wants to adjust uh, the Conservatives' uh, position when it comes to unions and rebuilding uh uh, relationships with unions that perhaps have been strained in the past to talk more about all of this peter Wollstonecroft is with us retired professor of political science university of waterloo and is with us now peter thank you for the time hope you're well
2: i'm well and uh, happy hip day to you hey thank you you
0: too all right so uh traditionally unions and conservative party not good bedmates what's changing here
2: Well, it it is a big pivot, and and, uh, Aaron O'Toole said uh, not about this during uh, the leadership race not so long ago. And almost upon uh, the very day that he became leader, he uh, he struck this new tone. So uh, I have to remind you that uh, Sir John A. MacDonald, who gets a lot of bad press uh, in Canada in 2020, Uh, was in favor of uh, legal recognition of trade unions. And so there has been a history that goes back a long way where there has been some union-friendly stuff uh, out there in the Conservative Party. Uh, So the way I look at it is, uh, you know, how do you you interpret this big pivot that seemingly is there? And uh, one of their phrases that comes out of the United States uh, goes back a long way. You go hunting where the ducks are. So when I saw Aaron O'Toole doing this, I thought, okay, uh, the party's research could very well identify that within uh blue-collar world, uh, working-class people, uh, there's some disaffection, dissatisfaction that their interests are not being represented. And, I mean, I hear voices in the United States saying stuff like that, and I certainly have see- heard voices in the U.K. saying that, and people did look at the last British election and the the big uh, red wall, as they say in the, United, in the United Kingdom, for for parties on the left. the United States, it's the blue wall. Americans are always difficult about these things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, many many of those long-held Labour seats went conservative, and so there was a, this move from working-class people to to the Tories from Labour. Uh, and and I've seen some articles in Canada were saying, look. Uh, the, these people are not, uh, working class people are, are not being heard or, and their views are not being acted upon by uh, the normal leftish parties the liberals and the NDP and, and maybe you can throw in the greens in that so so in short there's a marketplace out there and the conservatives think there's something there for them
0: how can you not include them isn't this not about finding the balance i mean in the end you have to govern them all
2: yeah, and, and 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 that's right. And and uh, there's a new book out uh, by a guy's last name is Fawcett entitled Conservatism. It has a longer title than that coming out of Princeton University Press. And I don't have any money tied up in this project, so I can freely talk about it. And and he says, you know, conservatism is not a fixed ideological perspective. And second, it, it's, it's got his hand up saying, stop it, stop it, all this stuff about change. Uh, is a problem, but on the other hand, uh, change uh, should be welcomed and adjusted to and and you have to, in a broad uh, uh, expanse or a broad view of things, incorporate many interests and, and you know to your point, in the United States, I think that working class people, particularly white working class people, have been neglected by the Democratic Party. Uh, and this was so under Barack Obama and under Hillary Clinton, and and Biden spoke to that a little bit, but not very successfully given the election results, uh, third of November, and um, and the, 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 this large swath of uh, American society, Canadian society, uh, is is arguably uh, perceiving itself to not be front and center. And, and 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 their interests are being supplanted by the claims and concerns of other people what about traditional, young by their traditional uh, uh, parties on the left
0: what about younger members and attracting younger members to this party i mean you know i'm a guy in my mid 50s and and still i look at the party and i think this is like my granddad's conservative party i mean they yeah, just no, especially compared old- to especially compared to someone like a justin trudeau it's like my goodness are there no young conservatives out there
2: Uh, And yet there are, and there are many MPs who would be quote-unquote young, um, and uh, they don't... But lots of
0: them that are still wear suits and slick back their hair like my grandfather did. Like, again, where's the young...
2: Scott, I just love your family dinners. I mean, it must be
0: horrible. And again, I don't mean to be so superficial, um, but again, I'm just not seeing a lot of young representation. I'm seeing old
2: ideas. Yeah. Yeah. old ideas i don't know about ideas have been a lot of these ideas have been around a long time but uh, but there is always a question of representation and and uh, and and whether people see themselves in the in the in the in the political battles and 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 most most people are not policy wonks and they're not getting into the footnotes about uh, ideological disputes they're they're more interested or oriented towards general things themes aspirational things now, the liberals certainly did that very successfully in and tw- 2015 and and t- 2019 uh they they're getting a little rust on their shoulders so i don't know how that will carry um but yes i and and but Aaron O'Toole um i mean he, he's he's a middle-aged guy but of if you think back to Andrew Scheer or or um, Stephen Harper he's the most media friendly and, yeah, night and, and day. Absolutely and,
0: correct. Especially uh especially with uh with the last leader night and day.
2: Yeah, and and he's very comfortable in his skin. He doesn't look like he's he has an aching hatred for being on front of the TV, and 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 he's got a happy face. When he's speaking, if you look, listen to him, just look at him, you see his eyes are twinkling. He's alive, yeah. and he's he's got a smile, and he's comfortable, and he's got a message, and he's got an interesting message. I mean, the liberals and the NDP be looking at him, whoa, well, what's he talking about? He's, he's poaching in our territory, and how bad of him to do that? Well, this— but, You know, yeah, he, I mean, he, they, you know uh, every party has to fight this, which is that— Within within the, with a the 10-year span, there's a remarkable uh, change in the composition of the electorate. You have 10 years of young people are en- entering the, the the electoral marketplace for the first time, and their votes are important because it's going to be very hard to dislodge them over the next uh, 20 or 30 or 40 years. If you know if you started voting liberal when you're young, you probably vote liberal most of your life.
0: Uh, many have said the only way lately the Conservatives win is when uh, the NDP and the Liberals start eating each other's lunch. Will, if Aaron O'Toole's taking the stance that he is, will this make the Liberal Party come more towards the center? Will it push well, them away from the NDP and start to defend the center-right
2: more? Yeah, and and uh, boy, you know, it sounds like you've been reading a lot of uh, what we call spatial models in, in, in political choice where parties position themselves and they go, they, you know, they look to the left, they look to the right, see who's there. If you have nobody who's a challenger on the right, then you can focus, if you're a party of the centre-right, well, then you can focus on the centre. If you have an opponent on the right or far to the right of you, well, then you have to watch out for them. I mean, I see that happening suddenly in the UK again. Uh, well, the- it seems we've
0: lost the center. It seems that the extreme, either we're on the extreme left or the extreme right, and everyone in the center seems to be has, have disappeared.
2: Well, uh, I'm going to disagree with you, but uh, but you know, but right now, um, the N- the NDP's got a big problem because the Liberals keep on eating their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The NDP has a problem because. Uh, because the Greens have a very energetic and articulate leader. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm on Facebook, and I have a number of new Democrats who are are posting away on my Facebook page, and suddenly they have a hate on for the Green Party. Well, I know why, because the Green Party is looking much more attractive than the NDP. Yeah, there's Hmm. always this positioning going on, and in, in the United States, it's basically the Democrats and Republicans sort of positioning themselves here or there. We have a number of parties that are fighting it out, and if, if, the, if the Liberals get too green, too aspirational, too big state, too big spending, too big taxes, uh, the Conservatives will move in there, and they, and they may be thinking that there are a lot of uh, working class, blue-collar people who are practical, conservative people, not looking for a lot of change, just want to be able to have a job, work hard, get compensated for their work, and keep their family together and uh, safe and secure in their neighbourhoods. Um, and they may feel that the other the liberals in the n d p are not talking about that
0: uh you you talked about uh the ndp being concerned of the greens you know i i've talked to in particular the ontario leader of the green uh and and he would say don't keep putting our party farther left than the ndp because in in some with some fiscal policy they are more to the right so that also has to have the ndp concerned because it's it, you know everybody just assumes well the liberals are here then farther left is the ndp and then farther left is the green and depending upon where you are and what the green party is it can mean different things Things.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, and I think any political scientist who's before a class is putting uh, the ideological spectrum in Canada has a problem with the with the greens. And there were, are some people in the greens who are far to the left uh, on the spectrum. But there there uh, but there are some other people who have more moderate views. And they sometimes they seem to be right in the center, uh, and then you know move to the left, uh, move back to the center. Yeah, so they're hard to pin down as compared to, say, the New Democrats. You can always say they're leftish kind of party and always having state solutions to our problems. Um, but it is also interesting that that, uh, that Aaron O'Toole is using the language of elites, and he's ta- he's talking about financial, political business elites. Hmm. He's raising questions about free trade. Is that always a good idea? And he has a has a big uh, punch point, which is that in the last 20, 30 years, how you want to measure it, that if you look at compensation for lower income people, there's hardly been a change for the positive, in fact, maybe a change for the negative in that period. And some people are doing very, very well and they're buying condos in Toronto, but there's a lot of blue collar people who say, well, you know, discounting inflation. Uh, I'm no better off than I was 20 or 30 years ago.
0: Yeah. Peter Wilson Croft has been with us, retired uh, professor of political science, University of Waterloo. Peter, always fascinating. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. You're well, and thank you.